The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you with us. Today, we are going to take a side trip, as it were, past the Hood Canal to a place in Washington State that is among the loveliest and yet spookiest towns I think you could ever encounter, could ever visit, Port Gamble, Washington. And our buddy Matt Shea, who is the keeper of the ghosts and the tales, the keeper of the keys for all things spooky in Western Washington, he will be our special guest right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. As promised, we have Matt Shea on the line with us. Matt Shea is one of those guys you wish you had for a neighbor. He has great ghostly tales to share. He's a very friendly man, a family man, a multi-published author, and a font of information, generally speaking. Never a dull moment when Matt Shea comes to Trip Talk. Matt, welcome once again. Gary, it is my pleasure to be here at especially Halloween week. Perfect for a guy like you. This is it, man. Matt, with all the places that you visit, what I especially admire about you is the methodical way you explore the ghostly past of all these stately historic cities in Washington, in Oregon, generally throughout the Pacific Northwest. And you have this trove of information to share, some of it legendary, some of it firmly rooted in history, and all of it is entertaining to people who take the paranormal subject seriously enough to pay attention to hear all these tales that you have to tell. Well, Gary, I appreciate that, and let's get right to a paranormal gold mine, which is none other than Port Gamble, a town established in 1853, and a small town at that. It is quaint. Everything is freshly painted. And the last of my knowledge, the last time they took a census there for the population, in 2018, they had 931 residents only, and it has not grown since then. It's that type of beautiful town. Not yet, or not quite, a thousand people, and they kind of like it that way. You get the sense of it, not that they're unfriendly. It's not that way at all. There's a certain way that you conduct yourself when you go to Port Gamble. Be respectful of the past. And for sure, when the speed limit sign says along the winding road through town, 30 miles per hour, they mean 30 miles per hour. But if you maintain your decorum in a town like that, you would think that you are driving through the set of a Stephen King movie, and yet there's this friendly, happy vibe about the place. I've found it fascinating. I've been through town three times, though I have to admit, and here's where you come in handy, Matt, I have not 
been to the historic places that form the basis of an annual Port Gamble Ghost Conference and their activities throughout the year anyway, because this is a town that's proud of its ghostly past, even as they maintain rather a pristine present. It's a very clean town, for one thing. It is very clean, but we're going back in time. Again, everything is freshly claimed, and there's a tone to it. Now, I started off by going to their general store and the most wonderful people there. And when I'd ask questions, they say, well, you would like to talk to Pete. When I'd gone to other historical structures, because almost every structure has a sign in front of it for its great historical significance, because they're from the mid-1800s. Well, anyway, the Pete I'm talking about is a Pete Orbea who is involved with the Port Gamble Paranormal. And they give tours, the ghost walk, the ghost conferences, workshops. They ask any and all questions. And the shops kept calling him. That This guy named Matt, who talks kind of funny, is asking questions. He <laughs> made his contact, and he certainly bridged the gap for me. Now, getting to Port Campbell, we have the traditional cemetery. The type of cemetery that has a sweeping view over the bay. And one of the games I play with cemeteries is I see how far back I could go. And right now, I found someone who was born in 1830. And they would have many more before 1830. But the problem is the original tombstones were made out of wood. And through the past century, they deteriorated. And what I'm trying to say is we have a lot of unmarked graves there. And we also have a resident by the name of Laura. Many people say that on the outer boundary, the one closest to the road, furthest from the cliff off the shoreline, that they would hear a woman's voice say, hello, how are you? And she would introduce herself as Laura. Well, they would turn around and sometimes no one was there. But other people would see a beautiful woman, they guessed to be in her late 20s, early 30s, beautiful, long, curly, brown hair in a white gown. Some of the tombstones have the name Laura. I saw at least two that have that. And so this is common. They said ever since they'd known of the cemetery, there were such reports from people all giving the same report about a Laura and some actually seeing her. To be able to see the spectral presence is extraordinary. I've been on what used to be known rather roughly as a ghost hunt. I think it's a little more sophisticated than that now. Paranormal research being what it is. And I waited up till midnight, didn't see the pink lady. This was in Yorba Linda, California, by legend, walking through a cemetery near her headstone. That didn't happen so I envy people who have these ghostly sightings where you actually perceive them with your five senses, whether you're hearing something, seeing something. It can be in a place like Port Gamble. It can be at Gettysburg, where people have, have supposedly seen Civil War reenactors, and they turn around a couple seconds after being greeted, and this spectral vision is gone. It turns out it's not somebody still in the body, but maybe a memory of those fateful days at Gettysburg. It's fascinating to me, Matt, that that spirits on the other side make themselves known so clearly. I don't know how they do it. Maybe someday I'll know for sure. I can't put my finger on it. Definitely for us to find out. Now, initially, when I went to Port Gamble, 
I would go to the general store, the most wonderful people, and they say, yes, things happen. They pointed at a candy tray. It was a series of metal discs that kind of like an old 45 stacked on a turntable. Remember, they'd be stacked like a stack of pancakes. Yes. Like that candy trays, little couple inches apart from tray to tray so you could grab the sweets. But one day, the top one by itself started slowly turning, and then it picked up speed. And what on earth was causing that? Yes, they get shadows. Yes, they hear voices and no one's there. Yes, they hear someone walking upstairs, but they know that nobody's up there, and they go up to verify it. On the basement part of the market, they have a museum, a sensational museum that covers captains, ships, the logging community they had 150 years ago. They get their share of shadows and lights kind of moving around, seeming to favor some exhibits over another, all within that building. Now, across the street, we have Franklin Lodge Number 5, and in 1859, that became Washington State's oldest Masonic Lodge. They will go in there and close the door. And a little trivia about Masonic Lodge, whenever they're conducting a meeting, a service, they lock that front door, and then they have a guard standing watch. On one of their meetings, one of their ghost hunts, they turned out the lights, and they could see a shadow by the door jam, feet only, walking back and forth the way a guard, guard would, and then it would stand directly in front of the path of the door as if it would not anyone allow anyone to pass or enter. That combination with voices chilled in the air and for certain something brushed or pushed them, but no violent activity. And that's what's been known to go within that lodge. Franklin Lodge number five, directly across the street from the market. That would be an amazing experience. I mean, I've never seen a ghost myself, but to imagine having physical contact with one, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Well, it gets better. Next door, they have the movie theater which was built in 1906. And their resident ghost there is referred to as the stage manager because as you sit in the audience looking up at the stage, you will see a door on opposite ends of the stage, the far right, the far left. The far left door has been seen to open by itself and they could see a complete image from head to toe. And again, they call it, they refer to this as a stage manager. Sometimes he will open up the curtains and make an appearance on that side only. Sometimes they see him working with the curtains and so forth because that's where their controls are. So whatever was going back in 1906, it's happening now on occasion. And if you look up the paranormal site for Port Gamble, they have pictures to pinpoint exactly what they are referring to. You know, Matt, I'm curious and you've provided me with some pictures, uh, one of which is going to accompany uh, the posting of this show that's called The Walker House. I'm curious, though, have you run across spirit photography? 
something that is, if not verifiable, at least strongly suggestive of spirit activity that's captured on film. Gary, when I was in the market, it's next door to the Walker House. This is such a tight, quaint community. And the woman who helped me, Donnie, just a class act, she showed me a picture that had part of it cropped out because her and a friend were taking a picture on the lawn that separates the Walker house from the general store. And there was some type of, I'm going to use the word eerie, word um, scary face, looking through one of the bottom windows of this house from the 1800s. Oh, and so wow. They took a, so they took a picture of it, and then later when going through the pictures, that jumped out at them right away. It definitely spooked them. And they, again, they cropped it. But again, people walking down the sidewalk have pointed at the Walker house. And upstairs is what they refer to as the resident Manny. They will see something up there, some elder woman from the past century up there looking back. And it's no mistake, this is not human. This is spirit. And when, as far as you can see these spirits, are they, wearing, are they wearing clothing that suggests that in their minds they are still on Earth and still living perhaps in the 1800s or early 1900s? That is my understanding. Now, the Walker Ames house very often has been rated the number one haunted house in all of the state of Washington. It, it makes all the top ten lists, and half the time it is leading it. They have done their ghost hunts there. And like a swarm of bees, when they turn the lights out, they will see hundreds of little lights kind of swarming and floating around. And these are not fireflies with a room that is getting ice cold. They will hear voices. They have names that come out, one of which is a Stacy. Another is an Anna. Another one is an Annabelle, if it's not two of the same. People who are calling out. They have looked in the closet and saw baby footprints and the dust there that wasn't there earlier. And, of course, the lights will play games. They will turn off and on by themselves. And they see what they concluded must have been a butler because, yes, they've had at least two butlers in the history of that house. And so which one is it or is it someone else we're not aware of? I am curious to know, Matt, what the town must have been like back in the day, because it was famous for sailors. If you go to the cemetery, many sailors are buried there. And yet you speak of one and two butlers for a town that stately and yet so small. It's interesting to me that they would have enough people coming and going, enough commerce and enough money flowing through town that there would be a kind of social stratification. There would be there. Because these were towns that were owned by companies, corporations. And at uh, present, it's known by, it's, owned, it's owned by a place called Olympic. Its original owner was known as Pope Resources. And again, we're going back to the 1850s. So there was a little bit of social there, a little bit of high society. And there were your proverbial business owners, the guys who owned the first mill and so forth. And all this with, what do you figure, maybe you have the exact number, I don't know, but if it's less than a 1,000 people now, was there a time when they had a couple thousand people living there when in that part of Washington that would have been considered a sizable town? 
I think it would have been because this was logging in its heyday. And so now it is preserved. It's a beautiful tourist town. And I wouldn't use the term tourist trap. It's very warm. You obey their speed limit. You don't litter. You're going to make friends for life there. When I went back there for my second visit, so many people remembered me by my first name. We had a visit. And again, they got the local historian to call me personally just to set me straight. And incidentally, the township of Port Townsend welcomes the American Road Trip Talk because they're going to be listening to this interview. Oh, I'm quite sure. And beyond that, squim as well. There, it's uh, it's fascinating out there around Hood Canal and on the peninsula. It's a whole different site. If you've never been there, it's a whole new side of Washington State, and it is rich with history, some of it haunted. We're visiting with Matt Shea, storyteller extraordinaire. Let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll have more about adventuring in Port Gamble, one of the sweetest-looking yet spookiest towns I think you could ever drive to. And you can get there relatively easy by road, part of the American road in the Pacific Northwest. But for right now, and this is a message—I say this without exaggeration. This is a product that could save your life. Here is a word about Alert Drops. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. Here's another product that will come in mighty handy. And then, yes, we'll return to the interview. Have you ever wanted to know what the weather will be for your next road trip? Drive Weather is a new app that shows the forecast for your route. It's incredibly simple to use, and it's available on Apple and Android. Drive Weather. Download it now for a safer road trip wherever you go. Matt Shea is our guest. We've got people alert with the alert drops. They can follow the uh, weather on the app. They get to Port Gamble, and they're going to have themselves the best spooky time imaginable. I go back to my own three trips through town there, a pretty place, a very clean place, and a town that is small and very proud and protective of its history. Matt, I think it's great that you go, and this is more of a personal note, I admire you for your willingness to be so diligent in going to a town, seeking out its haunted past, and then recording it so that you can tell stories to people who might not even know of its existence otherwise. Gary, the moment I arrived, it was the red carpet all the way, and they treat everybody that way. You just have to be there for a few hours, and you feel like you've been there your whole life. And I mean that in a favorable way. Now, on the outskirts of town, we have more things going on. 
if you continue to head north on the road that divides Port Campbell in half, you will eventually be in another town where they have a lighthouse. It's called Point No Point. And much in the same way, the Masonic Temple is the oldest one in the state of Washington. This lighthouse is the oldest lighthouse in the state of Washington. There's something about this neck of the woods that has a lot of first where everything started from. And so just to get out there, the signs will take you there. There are a lot of stories there. I don't have specifics, but we're talking about shadows, voices, saying things. And when you have masses and masses that are saying the same thing, and you're right next door to Port Gamble, something is going on. And then if you go a little further towards a ferry terminal called Kingston, they have the Cola Coal Elementary School, which is over 100 years old. And again, it is no longer an elementary school, but something's occupying it. Because these very people from the Port Gamble paranoia, Paranormal excuse me, tell you that they keep hearing the voices of many, many children within mm. the walls of this old structure, but they seem to be happy. And you're talking about within the town, I almost want to call it a village, of Kingston. Yes, because you're all neighboring towns. It's just if you blink your eye, you're going to miss all three of them. And then we have forts nearby. There's a Fort Flager, and Fort Flager is basically a Civil War concept, not meaning that the Civil War was fought there, but many people see the shadows, see images of what appears to be soldiers, and in some cases, soldiers injured in battle. That was the best way to describe it where they see them up on the walls and then going down to the bunkers as if they're recovering from an injury of some sort. Something's going on there, something paranormal. It's a military facility. We have forts in that area that have been refitted with cannons and so forth that came from Civil War battles that have bullet scars all over them. It's that type of paranormal setting. I've been through all of that terrain. You see what you miss if you don't talk to somebody in the know. And by way of promoting local tourism, what I would suggest is that if you get the chance to take the ferry from Edmonds, Washington, which is much closer to Seattle, north of Seattle, and then take that ferry across, you disembark at Kingston, which is a lovely town in and of itself. Great place to stop and get a bite to eat. Great ice cream parlor, too, by the way. In Kingston, then you make your way out, and as you're going along that route near Hood Canal, then you get into these various counties. You get to Port Gamble, you can go to Port Townsend, you can go into Squim. Lovely, rural, classic Washington territory on the peninsula, and you have all of these haunted places to visit if you want to make a road trip out of it. Then you come back down to Kingston, get on the ferry. It's a half-hour crossing and you're back in Edmonds, and you get along I-5, go wherever you're going to go. I think that's a wonderful way to experience that part of Washington State, Matt, and it's remarkably accessible. People who haven't done it don't realize that you can actually map this out rather easily. Maybe use your drive weather app, for one thing, and go on the best day possible weather-wise and have the experience of a lifetime if you are a bit of a ghost hunter. Yes, and regardless of a ghost hunter, just to simply go there. 
because we have a lot of local travel shows that point out Port Gamble. Well, I live probably, well, I live in the Seattle area. Port Gamble is out in the peninsula. You could spend half a day taking a lot in and still be home in time for dinner, but you could also stay a week in there. They could put you up. They also have some nice campgrounds in the area. Great idea. Matt, we're coming to the end of our interview, but I wanted to give people the chance to get up close and personal with you. You're a multi-published author, great raconteur. Maybe you want people to contact you directly. How would they do that? Well, if you go to my website, it is mattshebooks.net, M-A-T-T-S-H-E-A, books.net. And I have free stuff there. We have recently got involved with audiobooks, and we have a new audiobook on for free. So this is for you and the family, and it lasts about roughly two hours, but it's fun. Grandparents can play it with their children. It'll be a fun car trip listening to that, along with some other free stories. And I've got to mention our good friend, Pete Orbea, because he'd given me so much information, and the town kept reaching out to him, and he came my way. And so he is the portgambleparanormal.com. They have ghost walk tours and also special investigations for only $10. And they also have workshops, and you can ask questions. And, oh, trust me, this is the guy you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee with. Well said. Matt Shea, thanks so much for joining us once again. You're getting to be a staple, a regular on Trip Talk, and that's just the way we want it. Have yourself a good Halloween. We look forward to talking to you again, Matt. I love your show, Gary. Thank you. And before we say goodbye for this episode, here's a message from our friends at Utah.com. The first stop on any Utah road trip, utah.com. Utah.com has itineraries for every corner of the state. Discover where you can drive under a vibrant vermilion arch. Find a turquoise lake and the best raspberry shakes around. Or marvel at Aspen's aglow in autumn. Wherever you go, the drive is as awesome as the destination. So throw your bag in the boot of your Beetle or pack the snacks in your mini Winnie and hit the road with tips from the crew at utah.com. Thank you for tuning in once again to American Road Trip Talk. And thanks to Eric Ryder for a great job producing, as always. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road. Until next week, dream well, and as always, drive safely on the American Road.